Welcome to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit cccsterling.org. What an absolutely beautiful rendition of that song, God Bless America. And it doesn't really matter where you perform it or sing it. In churches, at sporting events, or as a salute to the U.S. military, the message of that song remains the same. It is still a powerful petition and prayer to our great God. In Psalm 33:12, the psalmist wrote, Bless is the nation whose God is the Lord. Bless is a nation whose God is the Lord. And the last time I checked, there's only one Lord. In fact, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, and you know I love to quote this, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Blesses a nation whose God is the Lord. Wow, what a great song and great job. And again, we want to welcome you here and say it's so good to have you here. Thank you for choosing to make the house of God an important part of your holiday weekend. Well, I'm very honored this morning to present and introduce to you our guest speaker, a highly decorated Major General Bob Dees. And instead of me trying to explain to you what a major general is and getting it all wrong and messed up, let me simply say it's a very high-ranking position. In fact, a major general usually has at his or her command 10,000 to 15,000 soldiers. Now, General Dees, the man who I'm going to introduce to you in just a minute, he served for 31 years in the United States Army and has a very impressive resume holding down a wide variety of command positions. And then just two years ago, in 2016, he served as a campaign chairman for Dr. Ben Carson in his run for the presidency. And that's pretty big right there. Currently, General Deese travels across the United States promoting his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And having just a few minutes to get to know him this morning, I can tell you he is a man of God, being raised as a Christian by his mom and his grandmom from the time that he was 12 years old. And it shows. He's written several books. He's a highly sought-after conference speaker. And we're so honored to have him here with us today. So let's give Major General Bob Dees a very warm Community Christian Church welcome. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm part Italian, so every now and then I throw my hands around, so if this microphone ends up in the audience, that's okay. <laughs> well, it's great to be here, and um, I'll provide some introductory comments in a moment, but let's continue in this uh, proper spirit of honoring. And so let's go to prayer, please. Uh, Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Greater love hath no man than he give his life, and we thank you that Jesus has given his life for us. And we thank you, Father, that our military, our fallen warriors, are such a symbol of Christ's sacrificial love. Christ said to this Roman centurion, never have I seen such great faith. And so we know, Father, that your men and women in the nation's cloth who have gone in harm's way and given their very lives, uh, that's a, a sacred act on their part, and we thank you. And we're so grateful. We know that we would not be the land of the free and the home of the brave without their sacrifice. Father, we do remember today. We will never forget. I honor this church and these people in these pews and in this community for not forgetting and for properly uplifting these noble sacrifices of those who have died on our behalf. It's in the powerful, the wonderful, the almighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Oh, yeah, I need this, don't I? <laughs> I was in Dallas uh, Friday morning having a business breakfast with some friends. And a longtime friend turned to me and he surprised me and he said, Bob, what does Memorial Day mean to you? Bear with me, I'm going to be a crybaby for a little bit here. The first thing that came to mind were the picture that you saw in the video of pure white stones on green blades of grass. And my first thought was those pure white stones in Normandy above the beaches where thousands of Americans gave their lives to unhinge a whole continent from an evil empire. I remembered those uh, crosses in Belgium pure white stones on green grass where those soldiers at the Battle of the Bulge, fierce cold and fierce Nazi attacks, repulsed, saved the effort and unhinged a whole continent from an evil empire. And then my mind turned to Arlington Cemetery and you see Arlington Cemetery, pure white stones on green grass, thousands upon thousands of them. And you go to one of them and you recognize that's someone who died for you. That's someone whose husband or wife never returned. That's the young son or daughter who grew up without a parent. And you're just humbled by that. But then my mind turned even closer to home. You saw in one of your pictures the, the, the combat boots and the rifle on top of a bayonet and the helmet on top of the rifle and then the dog tags hanging. And that's the symbol we've come to know as a memorial to a fallen soldier. And my mind's eye turned to the hundreds of soldiers. I've stood at that memorial. I've laid a coin in honor to them. I've said a prayer. And I've given a salute for their noble sacrifice. And then one step deeper in my heart, 
I remember those 19 soldiers. I placed a coin at the bottom of their memorial, and it said, Robert F. D.'s commanding general. Those are the 19 in my last assignment that lost their lives. So I, I get it. <laughs> it's an emotional day for me. And I pray that in some way I can impart to you the depth of what these great Americans have done for each one of us. Perhaps it's trivial to applaud them, so let me pray again. Father, we do thank you for their sacrifice. We love you, Lord. We know that in the scriptures you speak to us, as has been mentioned, and you speak to us of freedom and sacrifice. And we know that one of the most powerful analogies of scripture is farming, fishing, athletics, and the military. And we thank you for what we learn, not only as we see this sacrifice and how we honor them, how we remember, how we will not forget, but we also thank you for what it teaches us of you. It points us to you, Father. And for that, we are very grateful. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Sorry about that. I knew uh, to bring my Psalm 91 handkerchief. <laughs> and Psalm 91 is the soldier's psalm. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shelter of the Almighty. Well, it is great to be here with your church and Tony and Pastors Tony and Therese and so many others, I've had a good time meeting their family. And I had a good time wandering through the church. I met a young female specialist medic back here. Uh, and I met a man who, with his five brothers, entered the service, all at the uh, age of roughly 17. Their good grandmother said that that's what they ought to do. I met one of your ushers who's a, a gray-haired little guy. I should remember his name. There he is right there in the back, passing out programs 50 years ago in the Fulda Gap, guarding our country. You have greatness in your pews here. And uh, I, I want to do something. Uh, I want to be properly reverential to the people that have given their lives for the United States. But I also, and some of you old grizzly veterans may disagree, but th this is an order from the general. <laughs> we also honor you. Have you ever thought, where would we be without our veterans? Or where would we be without our military? What if at Normandy, 6 June 1944, they had said, well, it's a little wet today, it's a little windy, I think we're going to go over the beach tomorrow. But they didn't say that. How about if Iwo Jima, you may remember Mount Suribachi, you see the Marines raising that flag on Iwo Jima. It's an iconic figure. What if they said, oh, this is pretty tough. I don't think we're going to do that. My, my rucksack is pretty heavy. That flag, oh, there's artillery coming in. Gratefully, Valley Forge, etc. Gratefully, we don't have to ask because our military, our veterans have always been there rain, mud, the toughest, darkest places around the world, even today over in over 100 countries, doing some things that we will never know about keeping us free. Let's give them a round of applause.
Amen. Well, and guess what? Who puts steel on the backbone of those fighting men and women? It's their families. So I would honor military families today as well. I would honor those great bakers of cookies, senders of letters, commandants of the great stroller brigades. You probably know what I'm talking about. Those young children in strollers, handmade signs. Goodbye, Mommy. Goodbye, Daddy. Some of those departing warriors never to return. And then at the arrival airfields and seaports coming in, hello, Mommy, hello, Daddy. And the priceless sprint into the arms of a returning soldier, sailor, airman, marine. Priceless. Where would we be without our military families? They're the ones that really pay the price. I found in my own family, I've got a son in the military. Um, I don't know if my grandsons will do that or not, but it's much easier to go yourself than to watch them go. And so I so honor military families today. Let's give them a round of applause. In 1994, I was in Holland, and I was in a Dutch C-130 aircraft, and I was bumping up and down. 1994, 50 years later, 1944, September, same time, same place, same drop zone, parachute drop zone in Holland. This was uh, the commemoration 50th year of Operation Market Garden, largest airborne operation in the history of the world. Market Garden, maybe you've heard about it. It was Cornelius Ryan that wrote a book, Bridge Too Far, and also made a movie out of it. And the plan was three airborne operations, 101st Airborne, 82nd Airborne, British 1st Airborne, that would drop, create a corridor, British armor would go through it, flank the Nazis from the north, end the war early. Called a bridge too far because the last airborne operation, the British Airborne, landed on German armor and were decimated. But nevertheless, those first two were very successful. So I was in the 101st Airborne at that time, that first operation. So we went to commemorate the jump. And uh, some of you, do I have any airborne uh, people in here uh, jumped out of a perfectly good airplane? Okay, there's a couple of them. God bless you guys. You're crazy as I am. Uh, You know it's getting serious when the jump master says, six minutes, outboard personnel stand up, inboard personnel stand up, hook up, check static line, check equipment, sound off for equipment check, oh, okay, jump master, oh, okay, oh, okay. Now it's, you can see through the eyes of the person next to you into their very soul. And then the, the, he says, stand in the door. So the first brave warrior standing in the door and then it's green light. Go, 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 go. And 32 uh, airborne troops on both sides of the plane just go like crazy, like they're running like crazy out of the plane. And then you say 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. And, and then for me, I say, praise the Lord. Because my, because my parachute opened, I know it's going to be a good day. <laughs> and so on that day, I... The, the roar of the airplane engines quickly became distant, and I looked out over the Dutch countryside, and it's beautiful green, and yet my mind turned to those warriors of 50 years prior, 
They were all in. They'd been away from their families for two, three years. They'd been fighting every step of the way. Some of them got shot and were killed before they even hit the ground. Such respects, it's just amazing to see what they did for us. Well, I recognized I was going to hit the ground like a sack of potatoes, and so I better be, I got my feet and knees together. I did a good parachute landing pole. I was gathering up my chute, and a Dutch lady, elderly, came and almost tackled me, her arms around my legs, and she was crying. And we finally got a translator there, and she told the story that in the town of Eindhoven, the Germans had been killing, apprehending, and often killing up to five fathers a day to keep the Dutch underground in line. Ronald Reagan says there were evil empires, and friends, there really are evil empires. There were then, and there are in today's world, evil empires. And that's why our strong, uh, rough men in military and women in uniform stand on the edge of evil and protect us every day and night. The translator came and they told the story that uh, this lady was talking about the Germans and apprehending her father, her father on a day in September 1944. She continued, but it was sort of like tears of joy. And she pointed at the patch on my shoulder, which was that 101st Airborne Screaming Eagle. And, we, and she said, we saw you coming, we saw you coming. Her father had been apprehended on that day, the 101st landed uh, mid-morning and her father was not executed. She was expressing gratitude. And I would go further to say not only was her father not executed, it was the liberation of Holland and it became the unhinging of a continent from an evil empire. Now if you go to those veterans, what would they say? Those soldiers that were getting ready to give their lives in one way or another, what would they say? Just doing my job, sir. That's the humble, noble spirit that they would manifest. Just doing my job, sir. And so by putting one boot in front of another, one bloody, dusty combat boot in front of another, they saved a man's life, reunited a family, liberated a nation, and, and started uh, unhinging a whole continent from an evil empire. That's what our veterans have done. That's what the fallen warriors have done. That's what our military of today has done. So all of this is a sobering reminder that freedom is not free. Today I honor the fallen, and I also honor the veterans who have served, and I honor the military and their families who are serving today. Now, Pastor Tony and Therese, it's great to be here. Um, if I were living in the area of your church, I would be coming to this church. I, I love the DNA. I would want my grandchildren to be in your children's programs. I would want to be in your small groups. I would want to sit under your teaching, good sir, because and, and, it just feels right. And I can tell, you know, where the Spirit of the Lord is. And I think the Spirit of the Lord is here. So your pastor has asked me to tell a few stories to help you understand sort of the ethos and what goes into this military mindset that causes one to sign a contract for my life and for so many other soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines who signed that contract that they're willing to give their very life on your behalf. 
What causes that to happen? And I can't speak for every person, but I'm often a symbol of the military, and so let me try to do that justice. Uh, on an emotional day like this, this will not be a um, this will not be a tidy three-point sermon because uh, I don't know where I am, but uh, that's what I just told you about. It's great to be here. Now, I don't like doing this, but I'm going to show you a next slide that is a picture map. This is almost a life map. And this shows young cadet Bob Dees up at the left. I'm the one on the far left. And then through life as a junior officer, responsible for tens, and then life as a senior officer responsible for tens of thousands. And then after I felt led out of the military, I was in business, working at Microsoft. God touched my heart at the height of the military suicide epidemic to say I love computers, I love working at Microsoft, but God has called me to a higher purpose. Uh, God has equipped me to help our military men and women have hope in their lives so that they might not take that tragic act at their own hand. So I served as a military and then uh, uh, went to Liberty University. And during that process, I wrote these books on resilience. I'll talk about that in a bit. How people bounce back, how leaders bounce back, how nations bounce back. And, and then I was just minding my own business. And, <laughs> and a guy named Ben Carson uh, read that third book about national renewal. And he recognized that we had such a heart set and a mindset that were, uh, in, uh, that were in the same direction that uh, he asked me to be his national security advisor and then later in the campaign he asked me to be his campaign chairman. And it was a, an incredible privilege to work alongside a man of God like that. And it was also an education to see uh, American politics and to see, uh, just to validate some of the things in, in new ways. It says, if the, if the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? I saw that our, some of our foundations have been destroyed, and only by the grace and the touch of God will we be able to, to return to the God that America intended. Yeah, amen. I won't wind out on these too much. So then there, there's my family, uh, seven grandchildren. That was the most important part of the introduction, by the way. And now we have an eighth grandchild from Liberia. Uh, we've uh, adopted her, and uh, she was spared being a child soldier. Her older sister had killed hundreds by the age of 14. And this young lady, uh, God has touched her heart. She's bright. We're uh, helping her go through Liberty University so that she can go back and have a voice in that lost generation of child soldiers in Liberia. So we're grateful at this point in life to be parents, grandparents, and to seek to continue to run hard after the Lord and to finish strong and to leave a legacy. You see Aslan there? That's the real point of this whole thing. 
It's not by power or by my, but my, my, my spirit, saith the Lord. Okay? Uh, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He who hath begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the message here that I hope you take. Okay, Tony, you asked for a few stories. Some asked, why did I go to West Point? I went to West Point for all the wrong reasons. I went to West Point for football and for a girl. Okay? Sometimes we do, the wrong, we do it for all the wrong reasons, but isn't God gracious? And he intersects, he gets in there, and even though maybe we've done it for the wrong reasons, he starts shaping us. He gives us a few significant emotional events. Threat clears a man's head. And he uses it as a teachable moment. And before we know it, we look in the rearview mirror. And God has been there all along. He's been shaping us, holding us, protecting us, guiding us, healing us. And, and so that's what occurred with me. So I was in a junior in high school, and I was a linebacker and was being recruited to play football at West Point. And a guy asked me to a few of these uh, socials to get to know some of the coaches and things. Um, and, and then, uh, sort of coincident with that, uh, I had a blind date. My, uh, my date for a basketball game, Valentine's Day 1967, was Martha Jones. And Martha was sick that day. So her friend Kathleen came and said, sorry, Martha's sick, can't make the game. And everybody here knows what happened. She was, and I said, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> would you like to go? And she said, okay. So we met at the game, and we had a great time, and we decided maybe we'd like to have another date. I went to her door of her house the, the next time we had that date, and the door opened, and this football recruiter opened the door. And I said, what are you doing here? And he said, what do you mean? That's my daughter. What are you doing here? Okay. So my worlds collided. I didn't have a choice. He was a West Point graduate in 1946. Uh, his daughter was as patriotic as he was. Now my bride of uh, 45 years, praise God. Amen. Yeah. And... And uh, the net result, uh, I went to West Point, and we uh, eventually got married after West Point, and uh, so the, the rest is history. Um, but as, as then I got to West Point, and what they do, you know, I thought this is going to be great. They took away my hair, first of all. <laughs> they took away my Pontiac, how dare they? And then they called me a plebe, and I was the lowest of the low. And as Tony mentioned, I had come to faith in Christ as a 12-year-old. I'd wandered as a teen. And the net result is that when I got to West Point on that day, I recognized if I dug down real deep, I might come up empty-handed. It was that teachable moment. It was that where I, the hound of heaven reminded me that I was a baby Christian. And I didn't have the right stuff for what I was getting ready to face, days of Vietnam and all that stuff. I, I was just uh, put on my heels, basically. God in his goodness put a math instructor who'd gone to the same high school I had in Houston, Texas a decade before 
Uh, he saw that on the incoming roster of plebes. He has said, hey, uh, how do you like enchiladas? My wife will let your first weekend off. We'll, we'll give you enchiladas. Come up to our house. We'll sort of sponsor you. That began a four-year relationship, really a lifetime. Their children are named after, our children are named after them, Gail and Andy Seidel. At the same time I was going through academic rigor, physical, all that boot campish type of stuff at West Point, I was having the same spiritual boot camp, gathering at six o'clock on Sunday mornings with a few people, learning how to study the Bible, New Testament survey, I felt like I was in seminary. Uh, and, and learning how to pray, learning how to witness, all those things for four years couldn't have given me a greater gift. My second year at West Point, I was, uh, you know, the, well, the first year, a, a gentleman, John Shine, uh, was captain of the gymnastics team. He was a man's man, and uh, he allowed me to be in his Bible study which was unusual for this exalted, exalted upperclassman to allow the lowly plebe to attend his Bible study. And I had great respect for him, as did so many. And the tradition at West Point, when a, someone graduates, the first one to salute them gives you a dollar, you, you get a dollar bill if you salute the newly graduated lieutenant. I got John Shine's dollar bill. He went off to Vietnam. My second year, third month, I found myself in the West Point Cemetery. I was at John Shine's grave, and they were folding the flag for the widow on behalf of a grateful nation. I recognized that freedom is not free. I recognized for the first time the reality of the military profession. I recognized I heard a voice, really, that said, like that jump master, get ready. And it was like, get ready for what's ahead in the rest of your life. This is serious. This is not some light thing. Get ready. And a couple of buddies and I said, we're going to get ready. And the first thing that God touched our hearts about was we're going to memorize scripture. Those were the days of Hanoi Hilton. And they were putting people in prison, taking everything away from them. And if you didn't have something in your heart, you didn't have it. So we said, that could happen to us. We started memorizing verses of scripture, and then chapters, and then sometimes whole books of scripture. And I can't tell you the compound investment. It's never too late to start, but parents, grandparents, young children, the sooner the better. It's just like making investments in a bank account that grows over time. I challenge you all to do that. Graduated, went off, wife and I married. Our first daughter died. First thing that happened in our lives that we couldn't control. There was nothing we could do in our own strength or wisdom to bring Amy back. Gratefully, Amy is waiting for us. That's the first time God really bore deep Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean not on your own understanding. We saw how useless that was. 
but in all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Our second son, who's now uh, 6'4", about 245, not much fat on him. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So God provided a tree of life and then a a daughter uh, beyond that. Ranger school. In Army Ranger school, which was serious for an infantry officer because it was your preparation to stay alive in combat and keep those you were leading alive. I got pneumonia, and they told me I was out of the course. And I won't wind out on this story, but the net result is that I went to the doctor a second time, got x-rayed. They couldn't find the pneumonia again, and they they said, okay, Ranger, you're back in the course. That's a whole other story, praise God. And, and then, so they, they, ranger school, they don't do it simple. You know, everything's got to be hard. So they took me, and they put me at a road intersection with all my equipment, and I was there, and I waited there for an hour, and three hours, and then six hours. And finally, dusk was coming down. I didn't have any food, water. I just had my, all my equipment. A truck screams up, and all these people in black pajamas and pointy hats, representing Viet Cong role players, grabbed me. And they blindfolded me, and they put a bamboo stick behind my back, and we started walking through a dark woods. I didn't know where they were taking me. All of a sudden, all heck breaks loose. A grenade goes off over here. Machine guns start firing. Artillery simulators start going off. What is going I'm on my face in the dirt. My two bodyguards went to the ditches to return fire. All of a sudden, I felt a strong hand on my arm. And the voice says, in the dark, I was was blindfolded, and also I could barely see all these flashes. Is that you, Bob? I knew that voice in the dark. It was Chuck Drobny. I said, yeah, Chuck, it's me. He says, come with me, Bob. And he literally drug me off of that road. And he reunited me with my former unit. This was a POW prisoner of war snatch mission. That's how they put me back. Never have I seen such a demonstration, and it was a reminder to me of what Jesus Christ does for all of us. He lays hold of us. He calls us by name. He transfers from a domain of darkness to a kingdom of light. Now, that's what Jesus Christ does. Amen? Okay. So that's what, uh, and I'll challenge each one of you, has this happened in your life? You know, is that you, put your name in there, who's done that transfer? Let me move on. I'm not going to go on further about me, get my act together up here, I'm not going to go on further about me. Uh, you get the point. The battlefields got bigger. The challenges became greater. And the amazing grace of God became even more apparent. And Jesus became real and relevant as my journey continued. Let me provide two points, and then I'm going to shift gear and gears for a topic and then land the plane. 
The first thing I draw from my life experience, as we grow older, if we are growing spiritually, we will grow in hope. If we're not growing spiritually, whatever our age, if we're not growing spiritually, we will grow in bitterness. That's the basic choice we all have, better or bitter. I've seen it certainly with all the military suicide dynamics and post-traumatic stress disorder and all of that, but it applies to each one of us. We are all at war. We all get body slammed too. We all lose children. We all lose jobs. We all lose our spouse. We lose things, loss, hurt, pain, tribulation, days of trouble. That all happens to us. But as we go through this, if we press into God and if we grow spiritually, we nevertheless will grow in hope, otherwise it's bitterness. The second point, when I talk about spiritual growth, spiritual growth is not about more head knowledge, it is about deeper heart application. Deeper heart application. Don't just be a hearer of the word, we must be doers. And so over this life journey, my my message has converged on this subject of resilience because it's so important to soldiers, first of all, and then because it's important to the rest of us. I, uh, I was looking at 22 suicides a day at the time I started working this, and it was like, oh man, 22. Uh, and then a, an active duty soldier a day was killing themselves also. And then another thing that made me think about it is I was in Macedonia on the Bulgarian border in a helicopter. The Albanian guerrillas had, had blocked off our line of communication. Somebody over here does logistics. They had blocked off our logistics. Thank you for your service to Department of Defense, my friend. They had blocked off our line of communication and so I was doing a helicopter reconnaissance. We were going through a gorge on the Bulgarian-Macedonian border and all of a sudden my pilot screams out, oh my God, not something you wanna hear from your helicopter pilot. And we felt the, 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 pilot, the helicopter straining, and then all of a sudden this huge bright, bright blue flash. And 10,000 volts from a high voltage wire that they don't mark them in that part of the world, weren't any of these orange stanchions or anything. The pilots had hit one of these wires and, and it went up to right under the rotor and there's a wire cutter and that straining was, and then it cut the wire and all that voltage went into our helicopter and we were without controls and without power about 400 feet up. We started falling down to the ground. Uh, about the time we hit, the pilots got some auto rotation for those of you who know a bit about this. The, the blades themselves without power spun a bit and, and softened our landing. Nobody was killed, a lot of people were messed up. One crew chief came to me and he said, Sir, I want out of here. And he ripped the, the qualification badges off of his uniform and he threw them on the ground. I want out of here. I can't handle it. Well, it was interesting because we were in bad guy country, so I don't know where he was going to go. But <laughs> conversely, the, the other one came to me and he said, Hey, sir, that was special. Now what's next? What do you want me to do? Two soldiers, same training, same general life experience, same incident, and yet totally different reactions. And in all honesty, one was, a, one was a tennis ball and one was an egg. 
Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. You know the rest of it. So the question to me, the question to all of us as we're thinking about this thing called resilience is, is where are we? Are we a tennis ball or are we an egg? And if we're an egg, how do we get a little more bounce in us so that we don't turn into Humpty Dumpty? Couple minutes on that. Chaplain Robert Preston Taylor showed up to the Philippines, 1941, not a good year in the Pacific. Within three months, he found himself on the Bataan Death March. He, uh, as you know, 56,000 Allied soldiers began that march, less than half finished it. Oftentimes they would stumble, fall on the wayside, be bayoneted. Those are some of those that we honor today. He helped his, he was a chaplain, he was a soldier's chaplain, he helped his people. They got to the prisoner of war camp, they found out that guerrillas locally had medicine that would help their scratches and things that were turning into life-threatening diseases, infections in the tropical environment. Bottom line is that uh, he got caught one night coming back in the wire. They threw him in the hell box. It was four by foot in the jungle. They had bamboo across the top. Every now and then he would get a, a drop of rainwater. He was in there for days and then a, a few weeks. Finally, his fellow prisoners of war, they, the Japanese pulled the top off and the fellow prisoners of war holding him, he could, his legs wouldn't even hold up, holding him by both arms. And as often true of the pastors, as is often true of chaplains, caregivers, his fellow prisoners of war gathered around and they said, what's the good word, chaplain? Give me a break. You know, I've been in the hell box. But he was ready in season. And he said the following, do not doubt in the dark what you believed in the light. Do not doubt in the dark what you believed in the light. Brothers and sisters, let's figure out in the light of day, in the wonderful Michigan summer, etc. Let's figure out what we believe. Let's figure out our core convictions. Let's be assured of our calling in Jesus Christ. Let's, let's know some scripture. Let's be in fellowship. Figure out what we believe in the light so that we don't doubt in the dark. This is what I call the resilience life cycle. I mean, you can look in books, the books and things, but let me give you the summary. We will have tribulation, John 16, 33. We will have body slams. So how do we get ready for those storms of life? What's the ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure over there on the left? And then yes, the storm will come to our life, whatever that might be. It's all theoretical until it happens to you. And then it's very practical and then it hurts, and it's deep, and you're in chaos. And as it says in Psalm 57 too, then we need to hide under the shelter of God's wings until the destruction passes by. He is able. And then after the fact, it's the hardest part of the journey. How do we bounce back without getting stuck in all the toxic emotions of guilt, false guilt, anger, bitterness? And what does that look like? We have to look through the rearview mirror, grieve well. Guard our primary relationships, other things, and then we have to look forward. And how do we regain our vital optimism? And then eventually, how do we comfort others without which we've been comforted, which is the real sign of total healing? And then guess what? You see a feedback loop there because we have to learn and adapt because uh, hurricane season comes around again and again. And we have to get ready, be better, stronger, wiser for that next 
trial of life. It's not sufficient to just run faster, jump higher, try harder, not by power or by, my, by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so this is what I call, res, oops, go back one, resilience, God style. This is God style. The passage of the scriptures I think most represents this is at 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. If I were to quiz all of us, we're all troubled, we're all in doubt, we're all facing many enemies, and we're all badly hurt. That happens to even the best of tennis balls. And yet, it says, but not. That's the powerful term there, but not. And that's the difference that God makes. That's resilience, God's style. We're not crushed in despair without a friend. We are not destroyed. And as you may be familiar, it goes on, always caring about in our body the dying of Jesus so the life of Jesus may also be manifested in us. That's what resilience, God's style, is all about. Stewardship looks like different things. Sometimes it's the uh, proper stewardship of wealth. We are familiar with that aspect. Maybe fame, influence, stewardship of whatever you have in your hands. Moses had a rod in his hands, he threw it down, it became a serpent and a powerful demonstration of God. The little boy had loaves and fishes, he loosened his grip and he gave it up and God multiplied it and helped not only himself and the, the crowd but 12 baskets full. Whatever we have in our hands. How about the stewardship of pain? That's something we don't think about very often. So my calling of recent has been to help other people steward their pain. That's why I wrote these books, Resilient Warriors. How do we get ready for those trials of life? And as importantly, how do we bounce back and how do we get better, stronger, wiser? Leaders have a tough time leading others. That depicts uh, David, it says, he shepherded them with the integrity of his heart and the skill of his hands. And that's really a, definition for all of us. And then finally, uh, you know, Jesus was indignant when he turned over the tab money tables uh, in the temple. Well, in our nation, we see some things that we can be righteously indignant about. David said, how dare that uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God? We, brothers and sisters in Christ, can be righteously indignant when we see the great loss of life of the unborn in our country, and you name it, it goes on and on. We can and we should be righteously indignant and we should be called to action. So I need to land the plane. I want to close with a final question to you. And Pastor, would you join me up here, Pastor Tony? The, the, the question I would have to your, your team here is, are you a tennis ball or are you an egg? Certainly we honor our fallen warriors. That's important. But the way we truly honor someone is we make a difference after they're gone. And so today is not only a day to honor and commemorate the fallen warriors of our nation, but today is a day 
to, as Abraham Lincoln said at Gettysburg, uh, that they may not be forgotten and that it might make a difference in the future through our noble acts of service. So I would challenge us all to think of that. And then also, in your own life, practically, are you a tennis ball or are you an egg? It may be that some of you um, are going through a debilitating storm right now. It may hurt really bad. You may really be angry. You may have the awareness that cancer is gnawing at your body. You may have the awareness that a loved relationship is unraveling before your very eyes. You may have something else. You may have just been in an accident of one form or another. The good news is that God will meet you there with comfort and counsel. You need to be assured of this. Or you may be bouncing back from something. And you, you may be uh, holding tight onto bitterness. I encourage you to have the courage to forgive. Bitterness is the poison we drink to kill someone else. Now, isn't that ridiculous? But it needs courage to loosen our grip on that bitterness. And then finally, maybe for some of you, the sun is shining brightly at your back. You're going to have some wonderful rounds of golf here in the next few days. Maybe your well of courage is brimming with expectation. Be careful, however, God is not mocked. Jesus said, in the world we will have tribulation. And he said, so take courage. He, Jesus, has overcome the world. If that sun is shining brightly at your back right now, I challenge you to get ready for that next storm of life. Pastor, would you pray for us in closing? Yeah, thank you. Father, we thank you for touching us in a very special way today. We've all gone through a collection of emotions as we have sat and stood through the service today. And Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of our great God. We sang about that earlier. We thank you that you have proven yourself faithful as a covenant God throughout the generations. You sent your only begotten son so that we might know you and have life. You have given us instruction in your word to get ready. And we thank you, Lord, for those who have chosen to confess with their own lips and to acknowledge by bowing their own knee that Jesus Christ is Lord. We thank you, Lord, for an understanding of what that means when we say that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, we thank you for General Dees. We thank you, Lord, for using a man in such a powerful way and for allowing him to travel from place to place, encouraging us to be resilient in our faith. We thank you, Lord, that he has all the credentials. As we can see, he has multiple medals. You've used him in a powerful way in the military to lead men and to literally change lives and even a nation. But Father, he's here this morning and you've graced him to be able to travel the countryside and encourage us in our faith. 
encourage us to be men and women who go through the storms of life and bounce back. What a powerful thought and truth it is to trust you and not have to ask any questions. To believe you, Lord, when it's shining and when it's dark. And so we thank you, Lord, for every person in this place today. We thank you for the privilege of being a part of this service where we have acknowledged and honored those who have given sacrificially, not only their lives, but their families as well. And we pray, Lord, that you minister in these closing moments to every person here today who is in need. We thank you, Lord, for that Proverbs 3.5 truth that you gave to us, that we can trust in you with all of our hearts and not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge you, and you direct our path. And so, Lord, we just ask right now for a, a fresh dose of trust, a gift of trust and a gift of faith for the people of God. And we thank you, Lord, for those things that we've heard today and we've received and we can apply and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. What a tremendous challenge from the Word of God today. You know, when I first um, booked uh, General Dees to come and speak with us, it was a combination of a couple of things. I, I, I read about his books that he's written. He's got three of them, and, and they're all available uh, in the back if you'd like to check them out. In fact, he'll be back there if you'd like to have a conversation with him or talk with him. As he already mentioned, resilient warriors, resilient leaders, and resilient nations. And so that really attracted me because I love that whole concept of resilience. But then what also uh, drew my attention to the possibility of him coming to speak here is because so often uh, for us Memorial Day just means celebration time. But there really is a lot more to it. And I wanted us as a church to remember that there is a group of men and women that continuously lay down their lives to fight for our freedom. And as Major or General Dees mentioned to us, it parallels what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so I wanted him to be able to come and share with us. And I, I kind of figured uh, that he have uh, a command of respect, you know, being a major general. I think it's a two-star general, years and years of experience. Like I said, commanded thousands. And so I figured, like, when I saw him, I'd want to salute. But when I had a chance to talk with him, my heart melted because he has the Spirit of God in his heart. And I thought about all of the lives that he's been able to influence because of the gospel message. I mean, that's his number one priority in the world today, is to tell people about Jesus. And if there are any here that haven't gotten ready yet, uh, you haven't made the full decision, you haven't relinquished full surrender to God, I encourage you to give heart and take heart to what uh, the general had to say today. And for the rest of you, as we go through difficult times, just to know that God is with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to go to cccsterling.org media for more messages from Community Christian Church.